0: Hello, folks, and welcome to the A to Z Sports Big Orange Podcast. I'm Charlie Burris here as always with my co-host and A to Z Sports Tennessee writer, Zach Reagan. Wherever you listen throughout the world, we thank you so much for listening to us. Zach and I talk everything balls here every single week and if that sounds good to you make sure that you go over to the a to z sports podcast network feed you'll find our show there uh, along with uh, some some titans content, some predators content, lots of good stuff the a to z sports podcast network feed itunes spotify rate review subscribe blah blah blah, blah. i'm at charlie underscore burris at zach tnt at a to z sports on twitter and instagram facebook.com slash A to Z Sports Nashville, and A to Z Sports nashville.com for everything that Zach writes. Well, Zach, our, in the last few weeks, our recording schedule has gotten thrown through an absolute loop, and I apologize to everybody that's expecting it on a Monday morning. I have not been putting it out on time because... Um, I was not in America, and I apologize. I uh, went on a vacation outside of these here United States to the Dominican Republic because uh, I got those COVID antibodies. Um, shout out uh, to the person that gave me COVID, I guess. And it wasn't pleasant, but in some sense, you did me a favor because I got to travel internationally. So there's that. Uh, <laughs> but um, Otherwise... That's why we've kind of just gotten – we've been all over the place, but we're we're back on it now, uh, hopefully more regularly. At least I don't have anywhere to go. Uh, next time we'll blame it on Zach. So uh, anything – what what did I miss, Zach? What's been going on?
1: Uh, well, I think you missed the Tennessee's transition. Uh, it's now a baseball school. Not football, not oh, basketball. Tennessee's God. a baseball school. That's, <laughs> that happened.
0: At least we got and, uh, something.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's like the one bright spot. I mean, uh, Tennessee's ranked number six in the country, I think, now in baseball. Looked pretty good. They swept LSU. I'm not sure if that's why you were out of the country or not. I know it was a week, two weeks ago, something like that. But, yeah, I mean, that, that's that been fun to watch.
0: Yeah, so it has been. I, I did watch uh, some of the Alabama Series, they won two out of three against Alabama. They have not lost a series in SEC play so far, as you said. Swept LSU for the first time in however long. Um, it Things are really looking up. Um, the, the question that I, I think I will always have, as long as he is the coach at, at Tennessee, how are we supposed to feel about the fact that the one hire that John Curry made is the best hire Tennessee has had in a while? <sighs> is that... How do we reconcile with that? Because if we're being totally honest, I mean it's it's Rick Barnes and Tony Vitello. Of course, Hart sort of stumbled into Rick Barnes by default. Um, it just kind of fell into his lap. But but Curry did his due diligence, hired Tony Vitello, and it has. They looked really good last year before COVID blew things up, and now of course Tennessee, your number six team in America, three straight SEC series wins. It's looking good. How how do we deal with that? Uh,
1: I think John Curry he's he's not as terrible as we all thought. I think John Curry just didn't understand that he he wasn't the smartest guy in the room at all times, and he kind of gave off that that vibe. I mean he's he's kind of done well at Wake Forest. He knows how to raise money. He knows how to fundraise. He he knows how to do some things very well. But when it came to the high profile coaching search, like a football coaching search. He was in over his head with that kind of search. These kind of under the radar searches. Nobody's going to scrutinize your baseball hire. If it doesn't work out, you move on to the next one. Uh, when it comes to football and basketball, though, you—if that doesn't work out, if you don't—if you don't win the press conference, and a lot of times you've won it or lost it before it even happens, uh, based on who you hire, if you don't win that, I mean that. The whole hire is is doomed from that point forward, just how people view it. I don't think Curry fully understood that. I mean, the way he handled the John Gruden stuff, not really ever addressing that or putting it to bed, kind of letting it go. Uh, Even when Josh Dobbs messaged him and asked about it, he kind of gave him the runaround. I mean, he didn't try to put that stuff to bed at all, and he let it get away from him. You know, you can be good at your job and also not great at your job at, at times. I think we see that constantly in in sports. So I don't think Curry's as bad as most Tennessee fans make him out to be, but he was definitely in over his head when it came to hiring a football coach. But hey, at least he nailed the baseball coach, like you said.
0: Yeah, thanks. Uh, I I would put it this way, um, thanks, but don't come back. <laughs> that's that's kind of where. All right, Matt. Because yeah, when it mattered most, he really screwed screwed the pooch.
1: And look, the um, the chancellor he was working with at the time wasn't exactly oof. you know doing Tennessee any favors either.
0: Yeah, that's uh, that situation was pretty messy. But we can at least say, hey, Tony Vitello uh, is is looking great so far. We'll see what his his longevity is like. Obviously, it's it is really tough to put a consistently good product out there in sec baseball the guys that do it i mean you're is it uh uh who's it vandy Um, tim corbin corbin i was thinking cohen corbin at vandy i mean to have the powerhouse that they've had is actually a really ridiculously impressive feat because of the way that college baseball teams turn over you also there's just sometimes a total lack of talent where guys will go pro instead of going to college because they have that option in baseball and it's, it's tough. And so I'm, I will say it's, those guys are impressive. Don't even tell has to play those guys year in and year out. And to so far have a good product in sec ball. I mean, that's, it's really nice to see when you have a good team in the best league in the entirety of the sport right now. So
1: that's, and nice. the, you know, I know, I know baseball is a non-revenue sport. It's not, It's not what most folks out there are paying attention to is college baseball, but they've made it exciting just based on the fact that after they swept LSU, LSU's coach uh, Paul I can't even Manary, Manary, whatever his name is went off the rails, mad about Tennessee fans and playing in Knoxville. I mean, he just completely lost it and was very unhappy. And the fact that he was that rattled. After losing a series to Tennessee, after getting swept, uh, I mean that's fun. You don't you don't see a lot of baseball drama, college baseball drama like that with coaches. So that was kind of fun to see.
0: Tennessee fans so badly need something good to happen right now mm-hmm. that if if you give them just an opening, just an inch, they're about to take five miles. I mean it is. You better get out of the way because. Uh, you know, it's just right now it's just pinup anger, I think, with Tennessee mm-hmm. fans, just tons of disappointment and embarrassment and just all of this. Even even when you had, you know, you thought you really had some special with Rick Barnes that goes down the tubes at the end of the season. Like, it's just been crap. And finally, now it's really looking good with this baseball team. And I think Tennessee fans will and absolutely should take advantage. I've look, I've looked at going to games. They're all sold out. So good luck trying to get in there uh and so uh that is it's genuinely exciting um I don't mind saying that right now Tennessee is a baseball school because at least you have something right now you need it so badly so badly
1: yeah especially after that that disappointing tournament run and uh speaking of Rick Barnes I don't know if you saw this or not and it it's completely irrelevant now because uh unc's hiring hubert davis the assistant to yep. uh, to replace roy williams but um pat 40 who used to write for yahoo and now writes for uh, i believe sports illustrated a longtime enemy of vol twitter vol, vol fans do not care for him at all but he had an article and uh speculated on who UNC's next coach would be and you had the usual names you know the Hubert Davis Wes Miller people that we kind of thought would be mentioned then you had these long shot names and he listed Rick Barnes as a potential replacement at UNC and I really feel like it was just I mean I only saw this because it was on Twitter it was some ball fans were tweeting about it and sharing it and like he had to do that just because he knew Tennessee fans would kind of put that article on social media and generate it and share it around
0: yep we're we're pretty susceptible to that it worked in but in some sense obviously i i highly doubt that there was any you know rick having any kind of interest or anything there unless unc came to him which clearly they did not um they had the guy in house that they wanted i'm sure roy williams set that up and said i want it to be hubert davis and then he left but Rick wanted the UCLA job because it was a classic powerhouse job and he wanted to breed new life into it. And that UNC job would have been the exact same thing except on a much higher level. So, I mean, it's not totally out of left field, I guess, even if it was just to get Tennessee fans riled up because I don't think there was nothing there at all. But nonetheless...
1: How to, how uh, speaking of UCLA, I'm sure you watched the UCLA Gonzaga game the other night. Oh was that goodness? What not a, what we've been missing all year, just in college basketball in general.
0: What an unbelievable basketball game! That that is. It was one of the greatest college basketball games I have ever watched. It was an absolute joy from start to finish. It was played at such a high level. You so seldom will you see college basketball played at a level like that. That was not just nearly mistake-free most of the time but they did great things on top of not making mistakes like seeing mistake-free college basketball is one thing because college basketball can be really sloppy with so many amateur players and you know nearly mistake-free and then it was just play after play after play from star players and two great coaches just battling I man it God.
1: Yeah, even even without the last second shot, it was a you know, it was already one of the, the best games that, yes. that you could see. I mean that was just that's the way that game had to end. There was no other way it really could have ended. And like Clark Kellogg, I think it was Kellogg that said, you know, UCLA UCLA didn't lose. They they ran out of time. And that was absolutely true.
0: I mean it can and if it just shows you, I, I've been I mean, obviously I don't talk about it a lot on this show, but I've hawked on zag all season just when i've watched them they're so comprehensively good from top to bottom and ucla played the best game i've seen i th- i don't think they can play better than that like i don't think that they have the ability to play better than they played they left every single drop of blood out there on the court and just it was all out there and they still lost like it's just I know. brutal and and that's just how good i good thought- that's
1: yeah something I thought is a great point is uh hasn't been in a game like that all year and nope. they were in trouble you know they, they they were you know UCLA was right there with them and they they didn't panic they didn't act like they hadn't been there before they knew exactly what to do I mean that's I can't <laughs> imagine a better coach team
0: it was just so stone cold like t- uh, the the kid with the fu Manchu uh Timmy right I think I think that was his name. Um, I mean, he, he had four fouls from like the final, I want to say like the final fifth of the second half, he had four fouls from then on all the way through overtime. And he was doing whatever he wanted to do out there. I mean, it was just, it was that sort of stuff where it was just these star making performances and it was happening with multiple guys all at once, all in one game. <laughs> it was so good. Um, Hmm. Yeah, love some good college basketball. Hoping uh, tonight, we'll we'll see, we're recording this Monday afternoon, we'll see uh, hopefully something similar, because Baylor is also extremely good. Just steamrolled Houston, and there there is a conversation to be had there with with Rudd. I don't want to have this conversation, but the conversation to be had there with UCLA Mm. making a run when Rick Barnes very much could have been the coach had he just been okay with the, the dollars and cents um, is interesting to me. But, you know, nonetheless, like I said, not a conversation I really want to have.
1: But. Yeah, there's we don't want to talk about, like, what if Rick Barnes had went to UCLA and they get knocked out in the first round and the replacement coach at Tennessee takes them to the Final Four. <laughs> you don't want to talk about that stuff. Don't.
0: Uh, you, we will not bring that Don't say it, up. Zach. Don't say that. <laughs> don't make me think about it.
1: i'm pretty sure though uh everybody most brackets that were filled out probably have gonzaga and baylor in the championship game everything else about this tournament was unpredictable except for the championship game it's like you didn't know how we were gonna get there but we all kind of figured this is where we'd end up Mm -hmm.
0: easily the two best teams in all of college basketball playing for the championship which to me is the ideal outcome even if i love a good underdog story i want to see the the two best teams square off so that's nice we'll see what happens tonight but we do have to move on to what the good folks at home really want to hear spring ball uh, has been going on with josh heupel and the boys over there and as far as spring ball goes doesn't seem like a lot has really gone down um it's been your standard you know, video comes out and we get to see them warm up and stretch and then that's it. That's all, you know, you get to see some close up shots of, of, of guys catching footballs, guys throwing and, you know, like it tells us anything. Uh, you, you just it's so hard to extrapolate anything <laughs> from that type of stuff, but it is fun to see them out there. But uh, well, I just, before we get into the drama of everything that's going on do you have any thoughts on the actual football that's occurred in spring ball?
1: I think it seems pretty positive so far, which you kind of expect a new coach, but just the tone from Josh Heupel, even when Jeremy Pruitt was positive, he still sounded miserable. And Heupel is just so polar opposite of Pruitt. He's He's naming players by name. He's pointing out players that do well. I mean, you remember Jeremy Pruitt's first spring practice. I don't think he named anybody by name like until the near the end of spring practice. I mean, he refused. Hypo's not giving a bunch away. I mean, he's the same as most other coaches. He's not going to give too much away. We're not going to find out who he prefers at quarterback this spring. I don't think, honestly, I don't think he's going to know this spring. I mean, Tennessee's got four pretty decent quarterbacks. Who knows? You know who it'll be, um, but just the positivity. It seems like Heupel's very positive about the wide receivers. He really likes Volus Jones, uh, Jr. There as a leader, as somebody that can stretch the field. Jalen Hyatt. He's mentioned him a few times. It just, it just feels positive, and it feels like Heupel. It, he knows what he's doing with his offense. He knows what he has to work with. He's made it work with less talent at other places. You just have this feeling of trust when it comes to the offense. Now, defensively, who knows? Tennessee has some depth issues, especially at linebacker. Losing Bryce Thompson really hurts. I don't really know what to expect. It's Tim Bain's first time as being like the main guy, as the coordinator, as the d- defensive coordinator. Who knows how that should go. I, I think we're going to have a lot of high-scoring games with Tennessee this year. I just see them... I just see him being in a lot of games, losing some shootouts. Uh, but, hey, if you're going to lose, at least make it fun to watch. It hasn't been fun to watch even when Tennessee was winning games over the past three years.
0: Exactly. If you're going to torture me, at least let's have fun on the way. You know, it's, I, I do definitely agree with you. I like the positive tone coming out of everything where it really is a mood shift out of just the, the PR around the team and some of the videos that come out and the press conferences with Heupel and all of that stuff, the, the mood is just so different. It needed to be refreshed so badly. Whew. I mean, it, it had just gotten dark there at the end for Jeremy Pruitt, and it was just – it's so hard to imagine. <laughs> like, what would have happened if, if Pruitt was still the coach? Which I – ultimately hindsight 2020 that was almost there was almost no way that was ever going to happen i mean it just is otherworldly at this point to think that was realistic given what was happening behind the scenes but like let's just say phil got really headstrong and somehow found a way to keep his guy like this would be miserable right now totally miserable I. it's hard it's honestly hard to imagine like what it would have been like and then you compound like that what would have been that, you know, just awfulness with what's going on off the field, which we're going to get to in a second. And that would have just been a nightmare, man. Whew. Thank goodness it didn't. And that's the good news. Hypo is your coach. Pruitt's not your coach. We are here. Uh, it is There is a much better mood and tone around the team currently. We'll see exactly how that translates uh, when, when we really see him out there. On the football field but uh can you give us a rundown of uh the off the field stuff that has happened because actually a decent chunk of this happened while i was sort of out of commission i have obviously looked at it but what uh what's going on with the football team i
1: mean it's it's kind of a mess in a way but at the same time it's not huge stuff, but it it really just kind of shines a light on just what a really terrible situation Josh Heupel took over. When you think about Jeremy Pruitt and the program he ran, he's taken over a three and seven team that that didn't play very well last year. And you've got an exodus of transfers. You have the NCAA issues um, that that we still don't know what the outcome of that's going to be. We keep hearing that maybe it'll be investigations close to being wrapped up. You know, who knows with the NCAA, they they can drag their feet for years on stuff. All that stuff is, is, is one aspect. And then you've got some off the field issues that have started happening. And the first one was with, uh, Caden Salter and a couple of teammates. Um, you know, I think we've, we've talked a little bit about that before. That seems to not be a, a big issue. They were, they were, you know, breaking into an apartment or I think those charges got dismissed so I don't think those players are back on the practice field yet but I think everything's going to be okay there then you've got this situation with Aaron Beasley a linebacker this report that came out from WBIR over the weekend and allegedly he is beat up a kitten and there's really no other way to word that I mean the the details of it are horrific and it's I imagine I'm like most people when it comes to reading stories about an animal or, or like a, a small child, something happening uh, to either one of those. It, it's I ca- almost can't even read the stories. It, it's it's just the most inhumane thing. I feel like a person can do on any level. And with Beasley, like I said, it, it he has, I don't think he's been charged necessarily yet. It was a, fr- a girlfriend's roommate I think uh was was the person that that owned the kitten but the details were pretty horrific and if it you know if, if there's any evidence that he did this I, I don't see how you can keep him on the team at all I mean I feel like that's something that universally most people would agree like you've you've got to go like that's just unacceptable in every way
0: I I Obviously, we don't know the full details here. I I will say this. This is what the report says. This is, strangely, the New York Post reporting what WBIR reported. Oh, yeah. I want to
1: get to something about that in a minute, too.
0: (laughs) The New York Post reported on this, if that tells you anything. It said junior linebacker Aaron Aaron Beasley is under investigation after a female student claimed he badly hurt her six-month-old kitten, but no charges have been filed. The cat's owner said in a GoFundMe post that she came home Thursday to find her cat named Nugget. Oh my gosh, that's cute. Um, Under a dresser and not letting anyone touch him, adding that he screamed when picked up and couldn't walk, resulting in a trip to the animal hospital. Come to find out my roommate's boyfriend had hit and kicked him, locked him in a toilet bowl, and had held him upside down by his tail we rush nugget to the emergency room he now has brain damage and will have a hard time walking uh and then it also says uh, hemorrhage in his kidney clots in his bladder and he is currently on an oxygen tank i mean d- <sighs> just disgusting what are you doing young man like what the heck that's just uh that's so gross, so gross. Yeah, I mean, if whatever I mean, this is, I, I, I hope he didn't you, do it. I hope it's a mix-up. I right. hope whatever it is, but like, if he did, yeah, he's got to go. He's got to go. That's disgusting. I'm, I mean, my
1: view is that you have, you have, you know, your due process or, or looking into the whole deal. I get it but this is alleged to have happened you have to suspend him immediately pending investigation if you if you want to do this the proper way the the responsible way you do that and then once you find out then you officially kick him off the team i mean i feel like that's the only answer
0: yeah it it, it is again i'm not
1: but what's disappointing is that you're talking about the new york post yeah i saw this i saw this from wbir on Sunday morning I believe or maybe it was Saturday morning I can't remember whichever it it was like late one night when they put it out there I saw it the next morning I immediately start writing my take on the situation and my take was basically you know Josh Heupel Josh Heupel's facing a tough situation already he needs to take a stand here he has to do something um I had stuff to do, kind of walked away from it, didn't really think much about it. Later that night, I see I have tweets uh, from a couple of people that said they, they, uh, I don't, I wouldn't really say applauded, but they were like, you're the only person locally really that's talking about this at all. Mm -hmm. I don't really look, keep up all the time with what everybody else is covering. But I did go to a couple of the of the outlets that cover Tennessee, and I at the time I did not see anything on it, and I was surprised. I mean, uh, that's a pretty big story. So then today, TMZ, uh, you know, put something out there about it. it. It got to TMZ, and I think after that, uh, somebody from Goval's twenty four seven, well, actually somebody from twenty four seven Sports that covers teams for the whole network, put something out there. On Goveo's twenty four seven page, it's kind of strange how it's not it's not a bigger deal. Like to me, this is this is one of the worst things I've heard somebody do in, in college athletics. Short of, uh, it's just horrific. Those uh, you reading those details just give me chills because I mean, it's so horrific.
0: It pertur- perturbs me greatly if people have listened to my work at length back when I used to do the shows with Ben McKee from the, the Swain event <laughs> used to do it around my cats. Cause I own three cats with my, I I'm also married. They're really, to be totally honest, they're my wife's cats, but still I love, I love these cats. They're cool. And to read, to read that, I mean, it infuriates me. It disgusts me. Um, it, th- yeah, I, I, <sighs>
1: There were a few comments on Vol Facebook that they didn't necessarily defend him. Actually, you know, one did. I tweeted it out. Somebody said, "Well, we don't know what that cat did to him, or it's just a cat. Well, why why no, do you have a cat?" A cat, cat. In you? I don't. I'm not. I don't consider myself a cat person. I I, I don't dislike cats, but I don't have a cat, so I, you know, I wouldn't. But I, that to me, that's completely irrelevant. I, I don't see how that, but your view of cats, it's still. I don't know. I I, I can't mean, understand I, how anybody.
0: I have a cat that has an affinity for in the middle of the night jumping on me and scratching me, uh. And I have not once hit that cat over the head or picked it up <laughs> by its tail like that or done any of any of the stuff that is accused here, alleged. Like I said, I hope it's just a mix-up or something.
1: Or even if it is, like somebody did something. Either way, and it's yeah terrible.
0: I mean, you you definitely, you don't want to kick the kid off the team if he didn't do this or it's not what is alleged here, obviously. But if it is, uh, uh, it's not. I think
1: you've got to talk to him. You've got to talk to everybody involved. Figure out what the story is. I said, if there's, if you think that that he did this or something, then you've got to suspend him indefinitely until you find out for sure what the deal is. Like, I, I just... I don't know. That's that's a tough one to deal with. And that's not the only situation he's dealing with.
0: Yeah, there's uh, even more. But wait, <laughs> yeah. there's more.
1: Uh you know, a year ago before the pandemic started, Brandon Davis, uh, a, a DB for Tennessee, got shot in the leg at a club, and at the time, it was suggested that he had shot himself, which I I think he pretty much denied on on Twitter right after that. That, that he said he did not shoot himself which was really confusing i think we talked about it briefly on here that it was yeah, i think we mentioned the it. police said that he he shot himself he said he didn't but didn't know you know didn't name who did uh, a year later uh, the knoxville News sentinel blake Toppemeyer, who did a really good job of digging into this story and, and getting all the details and interviewing people associated with the story uh t- Turns out that one of Brandon Davis's teammates shot him a- accidentally, not not on purpose, but apparently had a gun in, we assume, in the club because they never actually found evidence of a gun going off in the club, which is also strange, but nobody knows if it was outside either. Brandon Davis basically is probably not sharing all the information about this story. He's, he's probably trying to protect whoever the teammate was. The teammate's unnamed, but I believe Toppemeyer. Uh, reported that the teammate is still with Tennessee, still a member of the team. Brandon Davis has since transferred to, I believe, a junior college, so he's no longer with the team. But, you know, somebody on Tennessee's team has accidentally shot a former teammate in a club or close by a club. I mean, that that seems like a pretty big story to me.
0: (laughs) And we say all that to say, like, what a start for Josh Heupel with all of this stuff, man, this, you know, obviously he has the entirety of the mess of Tennessee football to clean up. And then you have, yeah, I mean, you have whatever incident with Caden Salter where kids got suspended and it, I mean, that was like a set of guys. And then this whole thing with the, the cat abuse and uh, you know, and then this situation, like you would, you expect in any given college football team to have shenanigans off field it happens every every off season with basically every team just there's a hundred college kids that have to be wrangled on a college football team these things happen but to have all of this stuff just at the beginning with what is already the nightmare of rebuilding Tennessee football that he has to undertake man I don't envy him but I I think so far um his tone and tenor about it, and the way that it's been handled so far, uh, has has been good, and that's that's nice. It, at least you can you can look up in all of this crazy weird stuff that's been going on. It at least it seems like he's handling it pretty well so far.
1: Yeah, he is. I mean, I'm sure he's not the first of these incidents that he's dealt with. He's he's been a head coach for three years before this, and was at Oklahoma a long time. Really, I think these incidents combined with everything else, I feel silly when we went through this coaching search and, and was observing what was going on. I feel silly forever thinking that Tennessee was going to make a big hire, not because they didn't want to. Clearly, they did. They tried to buy James Franklin away from Penn State. I mean, they were willing to spend money. Money was not the issue here. But there's only so much money that, that somebody can accept to deal with the situation at Tennessee. And I, I know there's been worse situations to take over. But when you look at a Power 5 program, it's hard to imagine a more difficult situation than what Josh Heupel's inherited. There's some bright spots on the roster, but you know we've seen Tennessee lose a lot of key players. Eric Gray... Uh, Carveris Crouch, Henry Toto, Ty Chandler, Wanya Morris, uh, Jameer Johnson. I mean, those are key starting players that Tennessee's lost. Then you combine the fact that they, the, the, the NCAA investigation is going to impact recruiting in some way. The uncertainty of the investigation where kids don't really know what's going to happen. I think that's a big reason why a guy like Ty Simpson didn't end up signing or or committing to Tennessee because you know somebody like Ty Simpson wants to go somewhere where he can compete for championships he wants to play in a bowl game every year that he's in college I'm sure he doesn't want to not have that experience at least one or two of his years because you know you only get a couple of those games as a college athlete you want to make the most of your experience then future scholarships reductions I mean the roster is not going to be at full strength likely for several years And then all this off-the-field stuff, just the perception of Tennessee, I mean, Tennessee should feel fortunate that somebody like Josh Heupel did take the job. Somebody that actually has experience, that's run a program, that's almost went undefeated, even if it was a team he inherited, you know, he's, he's still, he knows what he's doing. He's done this before. He's not learning on the job. He's got guys that he's working with that he's worked with before, so there's some continuity there. It's not like starting a program from scratch from that aspect. Tennessee's way luckier than they could have been in this situation. They, If it wasn't for Danny White, I don't know who, ten, who Tennessee would have ended up hiring, but it would have been a much more dire, just bleak-looking situation if he wouldn't have been able to convince Heifel to come to Tennessee.
0: absolutely agreed it's a really good point it is incredibly as much as we were essentially underwhelmed by the entire thing it it is better than a lot of alternatives (laughs) and that is something right now with what you're looking at with with Tennessee football I mean it's hard for me to imagine that highball on any given day doesn't go home, set his head down on the pillow and go, When when is this, when does it stop? When, uh, uh, you know, just something like that. Like that's, for right now, hopefully it gets better during his time at Tennessee. But for right now, I just feel like that's the position that Tennessee football puts you in. That's, it's what it does to you and where Tennessee is at. Because I, yeah, I mean, I have to imagine that spring practices. Just just with the setup. I mean, he he has some fun guys on offense. Hopefully he's transforming all that. But I, I mean I gotta imagine that those defensive coaches are probably looking at the set of players they have and they're going, Ooh, this is this, I this mean, is gonna be uh this is gonna be some work. And then on top of you know, on top of that, you have all of this other nonsense going on and you just feel like, come on, just stop, stop with the deluge. When when is it over? When can we stop and let's just concentrate on making this football team better? and just really get after it. Uh, hopefully no, no more comes up during this off season, but for right now there's
1: a long way to go.
0: Oh, there's a lot of off season between now and, and September. I mean, yeah. But
1: I, I think the, the, when you talk about those defensive guys, it just kind of made me think, yeah, you look at that, that defensive side of the ball. Who's your leader? I mean, who, uh, who's out there leading? I mean, a Taylor, I mean, he's a leader, but you, you kind of want a linebacker type guy to just really. I mean, we've seen it before. AJ Johnson was kind of that leader. Kurt Majit has been that leader. Um, you know, Henry Toto was supposed to be that guy. I mean, Daniel Batuli. I felt like when he left, that was part of the reason Tennessee or when he missed those first couple of games against Georgia state and uh, BYU, you know, he didn't play in those two games at Tennessee Lost, I really felt like that was a huge reason why Tennessee struggled, you know, those games. And those are teams they should have beat, but Batuli was the leader of that defense. Who's that guy that's going to, you know, late in the game that you lean on. I mean, Jeremy Bates is like one of your most experienced linebackers. I mean, that. It doesn't seem like a recipe for success, and there's really no clear answer there.
0: It's kind of how I've I've said with Pruitt. For for a long time when it was all coming down, I said, Pruitt is a good coach. He is not a good head coach. In fact, he's a horrific head coach. There there's a difference there when you really think about it. Similarly to that, in, in on any given offensive or defensive unit on a college football team that there's a difference between like just a player who's a dog and a guy who can go out there and be uh, i mean almost you almost have to be i don't know exactly how classify this person and in one succinct term or something like that but who could be like a manager like toto was certainly getting there he had the energy to be that guy he just hadn't he was still pretty young and green and Pruitt wasn't getting him there It Pruitt and his staff just weren't leading him in the best direction. And that was another factor, but like a guy like that, I mean, you really have to have a special set of skills to be sort of that leader of men that has to get up. I mean, it was the last one that Tennessee had was Jawan Jennings because he would go out there and make the play like the dog that he is. And then he would get up and to his teammate go, Hey, let's go out there and, and let's be better you know, and he could go and he would correct guys. And he was after everybody and really leading. He was pulling everybody in the same direction. And that person is not easy to find. I get more of a vibe off of Hypo that he will be better at finding that guy. I can say that much. Well,
1: That's because Jeremy Pruitt didn't necessarily try to find that guy. I yeah, remember early exactly. on, early on during Pruitt's tenure, he was asked about if any leaders were emerging and, and Pruitt was kind of put off at the question. He said, you know, I've been on teams that, that were player-led teams and teams that were coach-led teams. And, and I mean, I get what he's saying in a way, but I, I think every, nearly every successful college football team has a guy on that field that is on both sides of the ball that that is a leader. You know, on offense, it's usually the quarterback, but sometimes it's somebody like Jawan Jennings but most of these teams have that guy on defense. And and you have to. When you're on the field, it's 11 guys. You're the ones out there. The coaches are coaching you up. They're they're telling you what plays to run. They're making the adjustments. But you're the ones out there executing, relying on the guy next to you to do his job. And I feel like you have to have that guy that kind of rallies the troops, that gets, gets everybody moving in the right direction. It's like Pruitt didn't believe that that was necessary. I don't know if he felt like – he was going to be that guy no matter what and then the, everybody would defer to him but when you're in the middle of the field and and, and there's a blown coverage and you got to improvise you know coaching don't matter at that point
0: you do ho- however you find that i mean i i think it is just going to be a necessity this season like you're saying and and good luck t- to them hope maybe alonte is that guy? He's certainly on social media and everything. He's, I think, he's trying. I, I will say that much. I just haven't seen play from Milante That he, he's, he, he just has growing to do. I would put it that way. Like that, that's well, best. It, he's, he's not the, the best player he, he can be quite
1: yet. Right. I mean, it seemed like he, his freshman year was one of his best years at Tennessee, and. You know what happened after his freshman year is when Jeremy Pruitt cut Terry Fair loose and kind of mm-hmm. decided he was going to have more, you know, more of a say in what happened with the defensive backs. So that's when Derek Ansley came in. I don't think, I don't think Ansley and Pruitt, who were supposed to be defensive back gurus, I don't think they helped Taylor really much at all. Not the way, not based on what I saw from Taylor as a freshman. You expect that development to continue, and it's like it hit a wall once Terry Fair was gone
0: absolutely and that like that is just the type of stuff that we're gonna have to see from hypo and his staff and you just in any of that is hard to pull out of spring practice with just how little we see and anything it, it is all of that is just going to be a waiting game so we can get to yeah. the season coming up you'll, you'll
1: a- see some stuff from the spring game maybe but
0: maybe hopefully look, at-
1: Nathan Peterman I think burnt all of us on throwing against air and how great he looked and you know we all thought that it's like this is this is the guy you know he was recruited by Butch Jones at Cincinnati so he's the guy for this offense he's looking good in practice Dobbs doesn't look good in practice Riley Ferguson never panned out we knew what Justin Worley was and after Peterman burnt me with that because I thought he looked great and I did boy too. was i wrong
0: i i mean i was one of those that when peterman got that start at florida i was like here we go baby mm-hmm. it's it's peterman time <laughs> and it was peterman time oh yeah <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> it was for about five minutes there and then it was over <laughs>
1: yep yeah the game and his uh Which He did get another – he started uh, the next year at Alabama too, I believe, briefly before Dobbs came in that game. I never understood.
0: I – yeah. But, yeah,
1: I mean, the point being that you cannot tell much from these practices, especially what – and they are allowing the media to watch a little bit of these practices, but it's typical to what – Heupel's policies, even without COVID, are pretty much the same as every other college football coach at this point. You can see them stretch a few drills, get out, and that's it. Yeah,
0: it's it's just so, so limited. Hopefully, the spring game provides um, something, because there are really guys that I'd want to see perform. And, you, I mean, you just can in that controlled environment. I mean, another perfect example is, like, Jared, like, Garantano. Like, Pruitt would be like, oh, he had the best practice of all time. He looked great, body, body, body. And then... <laughs> He goes out there and plays the way that he played in games. It just, there's only so much that you can glean from it. I wish that that there was a ton to really dig up out of that. It would make spring football all the more exciting. But it, nonetheless, it's exciting to have spring football now. And spring football with a new coach who, if he can wade through these initial rough waters, um, I, I think he'll have a decent amount of grace from Tennessee fans. And as a Tennessee football coach, that's really all you can ask for right now—is for them, for at least a little while. To it be won't last on long. You. Yeah, you're not. The window's not big before it closes, but you do have some time here. You, Butch got it. Dooley got it. They, there was all a period of time for all those guys where we went mm, maybe.
1: Hey, Maybe. Butch and Pruitt parlayed it into a, uh, a uh, contract extension, both yeah. of them.
0: I mean, it's as long as you have an AD who's a sucker, and <laughs> you're, do you know... You,
1: do you remember the time that fans were concerned about Butch Jones taking the Michigan job?
0: Oh, lordy. Oh, yeah, I that's... do. <laughs> I do remember that.
1: It's comical to think about in retrospect.
0: Oof. Yeah, oh, Butch. That guy's the worst. Uh... But I yeah. otherwise with spring ball any any remaining thoughts and we'll we'll keep uh, we'll make this episode a little shorter this week.
1: Yeah, like you said, there's not much to glean from from what we've seen, what we haven't seen, really. Uh, hopefully, this off the field stuff gets cleaned up, and just keep hearing positive things from Hypo. I I, I do like hearing him talk because I think there's some coach speak in there, uh, but that's. That's pretty typical for most coaches. They just they don't want to give stuff away. I don't think he's like being super secretive or anything. He's been pointing out players that have been doing well. He's been pointing out players that are he considers leaders. Uh, I just want to keep hearing the positivity because I think it makes the players more confident. Look, no, none of these Tennessee players are going to walk into the twenty twenty one season filling themselves too much. They haven't accomplished anything. Uh, I think they have a chip on their shoulder and they want. You know they want to prove that that they can win, they can win in the SEC. And I think hearing your head coach publicly say that he believes in you uh and, and call you by name, I, I think that's big for for a college athlete's confidence. And, and I think that's really important.
0: Having a coach that maybe like you know wants to be there that um, helps. <laughs> unlike Pruitt, <laughs> um, I'll I'll finish with a couple of things. I mean we're. We're in agreement there. A couple of notes about basketball on, on the way out. It's really kind of a bittersweet report. Good news. Tennessee got a transfer guard from Auburn, Justin Powell, six foot six transfer. He's a three-star coming out of high school. An interesting transfer, right? Uh, the backcourt to me is not the main place that Tennessee needs help. Although they are going to lose basically everybody back there. Um, so you, you are going to have to fill that cabinet again, even though Kennedy Chandler is coming in, uh, but that's that's nice. But then Desmond Oliver and Kim English are both leaving. They're I mean, they're both to me, they're they're great coaches, great people. Desmond Oliver, I believe, got the ETSU mm-hmm. job and Kim English oh, uh, what William and Mary, I think. I don't have it right in front uh, yeah. of me. Um let me see. I want to make sure so I'm not just saying
1: random uh-huh. random colleges in virginia
0: yes exactly uh george mason george mason not william and mary uh, oh I, okay. I got those two mixed up oh yeah weeks ago too <laughs> what is why are we talking about george mason and william and mary
1: uh i think it's george mason's final four run that year
0: that's what it was yeah 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 that's right and i i said william and Mary. that's right yeah
1: whatever they're still in virginia so
0: but K- kim english now the head coach at george mason congrats to those guys those are tough losses Kim English was a huge part of some of the big recruiting efforts that, that Rick Barnes has had in these last few years. And Desmond Oliver is just a stalwart been with Rick for a long time type of a coach. And he's finally uh, jumping out. It, it's going to be a, a, I don't want to say a tumultuous off season, but there's some rebuilding to do on staff and on the court uh, for Rick coming up here. So, um, like I said, a little bitter bittersweet report there going out the door, and and I'll add in a final note uh, to the homie v- Ben McKee. Actually I mentioned him earlier in the show, um, works for Swain Event, but he's going from Rocky Top Insider to VolQuest. Quest. And he, I, if you don't know, I did a po- obviously I was on Swain Event with Ben. I got to know him there. Then Ben and I actually did it, podcasts together, just to, uh, the two of us, and. To see him kind of moving on moving up is really cool and huge congrats to Ben. I'll just drop that in there. That's awesome And the for vol, sure and vol quest I kind of
1: I, I kind of consider Quest kind of the standard when it comes to uh, reporting on Tennessee stuff and scoops. I mean they they put in the work and that's one outlet that I feel like when it's there it's it's official. You know, yeah. Uh, so that that that's a, a a big move for for him and a and a great move by Vault Quest to hire him.
0: Yeah, good, good for old Ben. Uh, and I mean, he, well, he's even. I mentioned that he's done a, he's guest hosted in your place on this oh, very yeah. show even uh, for one week when you were out. That's so. Hey, shout out Ben. That's that. I think. Any parting thoughts, Zach? As uh, we leave the good people for another week.
1: Yeah, I think that about covers it. Let's hope uh, uh, a quiet week, or not so quiet, a fun week, but no drama. We want something good to talk about next week.
0: No more suspensions. and. Maybe Tennessee will
1: finally get a commit. They don't have any 2022 (sighs) commits.
0: Man. Give it time. That's what I have to, I always got to tell myself. Eiple's new. We're giving him time. We're going to see what he can do so that's that thank you so much for listening i'm charlie burris that's zach reagan at charlie underscore burris at zach tnt on twitter at a to z sports on twitter and instagram facebook.com slash a to z sports national and a to z sports national.com to see all of zach's excellent opinions he's never had a wrong take uh (laughs) and i don't
1: even think i agree with that
0: (laughs) (laughs) but i think that's it uh thanks again for listening and we will talk to y'all next week see you guys later
1: your mother, she can't buy it. The piece of on its it's your... Wait. I turned my air down right before I came in here It's kind of cold now
0: Dude, I'm freaking burning up I, every, <laughs> every afternoon, the this window, I have to close these Because the sun shines directly in here uh, kind of Yeah,
1: I'm on the other side of the house Where it's uh, not the evening sun
0: Oh, oh, I didn't stop the recording.